The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Thank you and thanks, Matt. We actually were at PCB at the same time here. We used to call it PCB when we were here, I think, way, 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 way back. So uh, we were actually here at the same time and ended up in ministry together. So it's great to be back here, lots of connections. Uh, I know a lot of uh, students here, and I'm at a lot of games. As you know, I'm always at games and watching. I know a lot of you from the games and stuff. And uh, there's a picture of the fam. Uh, it's a farm. We're on the we were just on the farm, and my wife said, "Let's get a picture in the hay mile." So that's what we did. There's a uh, couple spouses and and baby James. You know, Nate's baby, baby James. Uh, so uh, so since I'm showing a farm picture, I'm going to start off with a farm story. I remember when I was a kid on the farm. <laughs> We got in a lot of trouble, but the one time I remember, one story I'll never forget, I was, my job was to go bring the cows in, that we had to go out in the pasture and bring them across the barnyard into the barn, and anybody's ever done that, you know, it's not that much fun to go through the barnyard, but our barnyard was really dangerous, it had a lot of open spots, and like, uh, you, you, if you went off the cement a certain area, you'd go up to your knees, but there's one area that was a spring, right off the edge of the, of the cement was an underground spring, and, and it had turn into quicksand, but not really quicksand, manure, manure, quick manure. And it would just, it would just go so far down. We used to take sticks and just kind of keep pushing them down. And we never found the bottom. It was crazy. And I, one day it was my job to go get the cows. And I had one of my little buddies from the, the neighborhood was with me. I was like 12. I think he was like eight. And he was following me. I said, okay, you can go help me go get the cows, but walk right where I walk. you got to stay right with me. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, he was a little know-it-all kid, you know. And so I start walking across the barnyard, missing all the dangerous spots, and all of a sudden I heard, Chuck, help me. And I looked back, and he went off into that quick manure spot, the dangerous spot, and he was up to his knees in it. I was like, <gasps> you know, and I, I knew there was no bottom. I go running over, and I grab a hold of him, and he's like, help me, help me. And he's getting sucked down. He's up to his waist in this. And, and, and I'm pulling and pulling. The more I pull, I'm starting to slide down the side of it myself. I'm trying to stay on the cement. I would have let go, let him go if I had to, but I was trying to save him. And... and and, uh, and I'm, I started yelling, help, 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 screaming. And, and fi finally, he was up. He just had his arm and head above the manure. And I'm pulling. And if you've watched the news recently, some kids actually died in Lancaster, you know, Lancaster in the manure pits. It happens. And I'm pulling, pulling. And, and finally, my mom heard us screaming. And she's like, what is that Chucky up to now? And she comes walking out. And I'll never forget her eyes. They go, boing, you know. You know? <laughs> This is a lawsuit waiting to happen, right? And anyway, so she comes running over and grabs me, and I'm holding Peter, and, and I'm pulling him, and she's pulling me, and I'm like up to my you know, thighs now, and we're pulling, and, and it took about, I don't even know, half an hour. Finally, we pulled him out and got him out, and he's covered with manure. And I took him over to the milk house outside, and I took a hose, and I started spraying him. He's just crying, I'm covered with manure. I go, you look great, Pete, you look great. And I'm spraying him, <laughs> spraying him. I put the hose in his shirt, and it's just coming out of his pants, and you know, it was horrible. It, he was covered. And then I said, I'll take you home. He goes, I don't want to go home. My grandma will kill me. His grandma was babysitting him. That's where he lived with his grandmother and parents. And, and so we're going over, and he's like, my grandma's going to kill me. I go, no, Pete, it's okay. She'll just be glad you're alive. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> she's going to kill me. She's gonna, no, she's going to just be happy to see you. So we get up to the porch. I'll never forget. I rang the doorbell, and I ran, because I knew she was going to kill him. <laughs> And she would have killed me, too. This was in the old days, you know, milking hoses, right? Anyway, 
the old days. It's a crazy story, but I see this same thing happening to so many people today. In your generation, spiritually getting sucked into the world. It's hard because you grew up with this culture. You don't remember what it was like. Matt and I do. <laughs> a few years ago, right? Now that we're 40, we remember. All right, so... So many getting sucked into the world. Our oldest son, who's not in this picture, was also... supposed to attend Karen. He was in Matt and Michelle's youth group. Our five oldest were all in his youth group. He was in Matt's youth group. He went to everything, remember? Didn't miss a mission trip, didn't miss a retreat. He loved it all. He, he just loved it. Matt, then Matt, he felt called into missions, so Matt got him into Karen, helped him apply, and, and got him settled to, to go to Karen. He was all excited about going to Karen. But he was wrestling with some really hard questions about his faith which are normal, which are vital to growth, you know, doubts. That's all part of faith development. Very, very, it's, it's totally fine. But the way he handled it wasn't healthy. And instead of going to the Bible, he rejected the Bible. And I saw him his senior year, he started to slip away. Remember that, Matt? He started to slip away. And uh, he, he had a worldview shift. He, his worldview shifted from the Bible, from a biblical worldview, to a very worldly worldview. And, and he, uh, he, then he decided, I'm not going to Karen after all. He went to a state school, and he jumped off the cliff spiritually and in every way. He became someone we didn't even recognize within a year of, of school. He dropped out of school. He went to Philly. He became part of the drug culture. He had a band, you know, that was really drug-fueled band. Uh, he became brain-damaged and demonized, and it was just unbelievable. Seven years later, he died from a drug overdose involving fentanyl, and then a short time later, his wife also died the same way. I see this happening to so many people in your generation. Of course, dying of drugs, we know 70,000 people die a year from overdose of drugs. But I'm talking about spiritually, so many dying spiritually. Even here at Cairn, I know a lot of students here, I've talked to a lot of you, I know a lot. So many here at Cairn being pulled into the world, being damaged, being brainwashed spiritually. And it's really important, I just want to really encourage you. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says this, it says, therefore, Romans 12, 1 to 2, is it, uh, can we get that one up here? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And, and the, he's urging us to live these living sacrifices, to be holy, to be, to be pleasing to God. That's our spiritual act of worship. The worship this morning was awesome. Wow. Wow, what a difference from when we went here, right? But, uh, yeah, I think there was an Oregon here when we went, but uh, still the same pulpit. I think it's still just big, I got the boat. But, uh, but the worship, awesome worship. And uh, it just, it's awesome, but as much as that worship is awesome and we love the way that that makes us feel connected to God, the real worship is the holy life. 
to live a holy life. That's the most important worship. And the key to true worship, he says here, is don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't conform. Don't get squeezed into the mold. That's what the world is trying to do to us every day, right? It's constant being squeezed into the mold. A lot of you have heard of King Midas, the Midas touch. And they think they found the tomb. Now they're starting to argue about it, of course. But they thought they found the tomb. Uh, he was the king in Turkey, 738 B.C. And what is he famous for? Gold, right? Gold, the Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. They found his tomb, but there was no gold. But what they did find was that King Midas, if it really is him, had a really strange-shaped head. It was a cone-shaped head. And it's because at that time, people thought cone heads were attractive, and so the royalty, no kidding, the royalty, they would wrap the heads real tight when they were babies and force them into a cone, high forehead, you know, alien look, you know, cone head look there. That's what they would do to them. And everybody would say, wow, look at the king. Look at King Midas. And ooh. To us, we say, it looks pretty stupid. You know, he's a cone head. He's a cone head. But, but so many of us, we're the same way. Our minds have been distorted by the world, and it looks... Great to the world, but God looks at it and says, that looks ridiculous. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word transform there is metamorphe. Metamorphis is where we get it from. It's the idea of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. And it has to be a, we need a total change from the inside out. And the key to doing that, the key to renewing is the power of God's word. We must know it. We must live it. We must battle with it. It's the, it's the power of God's word. We must make sure that everything that we think, every thought that we think or believe goes through the screen of God's word. It has to pass through God's word before it sinks into the mind. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, he says this. Ah, there we go. Uh, I'll just go right to verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought has to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Remember when I was a kid, we used to love watch Superman, the, the original Superman, you know, the old sitcom, remember? Yeah, and, and what I used to love about Superman is he was so strong, and he could catch a bullet. If they went to shoot him, he would catch it in his hand. They'd take it, and he'd just throw it aside. And I'd say, yeah, Superman, we were all excited about that. Uh, things have changed. I don't marvel and all that. But anyway, it was a big deal back then. It was a big deal. TV was a big deal. But anyway, the the... That's what we have to let Jesus do. Every thought that's coming our way, like a bullet, we have to let him catch it. And if it's, he, take a look, and if it's not according to what he wants us to think, cast it aside. We have to take thought every captive. It's so important. Colossians 2.8 says, don't let your... There we go. Uh, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Very important that we don't let ourselves be taken captive by the world's lies, by the way that it thinks. It's vital to develop a biblical worldview, a biblical worldview. We have to see things through the Bible and the way God, God's word wants us to see it. Nate, uh, last, most of you know Nate plays baseball, and uh, I was going to a lot of his games, and last year, at the beginning of the year, he kept missing the ball. He kept striking out, and I'd be like, Nate, something's not right. I've been watching you since you're four. I don't have a shoulder left because I threw you so many pitches. Uh, you know, you've, I, you've never missed the ball. I've never seen you miss the ball ever before. He goes, no, nah, just, I'm just off. I go, you're not, something's not right. And I kept saying, Nate, go get your eyes checked. 
No, no, no. He waited till like about a third of the way through the season. And finally I said, Nate, go get your eyes checked, you know? And he went, and the doctor said, wow, your eyes are bad. You shouldn't even, you shouldn't even be driving. 90 mile an hour fastballs coming, he shouldn't even be driving, right? And sure enough, he got contacts, and all of a sudden, woof, he could hit the ball. It was an amazing miracle, you know? But kids never listen. But anyway, the... But, that's what God's word is. We, we have a distorted view, and we need the glasses of God's word to view the thoughts coming. Very, very important. And here at Cairn, you have a tremendous opportunity to develop a biblical worldview. You have an amazing chance to break free from the pressures to be conformed and, and instead be transformed. Take all the Bible classes you can. Take all you can. Take them. All the classes are great here, I know, but take all the Bible classes you can. Talk to your professors. Share your struggles. Share your doubts. That's how faith grows as you wrestle with these things. It's okay to struggle and to go through crises of faith. That's how real faith develops. And also get connected to a, a solid Christian church, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Get connected. You need, it's, you need to be part of the body of Jesus Christ. So many students, I've heard the stories, take four years off. They come to camera, well, I get so much. I got chapel. I got class. I got, and they take four years off. But this is the most vital time of your faith development, and you need to be part of the body of Christ, a, a good, solid church. What if you cut off your finger, cut off a finger and set it aside? Four years later, you come back to put it back on again. It'd be shriveled, it'd be dead. It's just too late, you know? It's just a little bone there. Uh, so that, that's what so many people do in college. Even at Karen, you take four years off and don't get connected. You can, you, it's so important to be connected to a solid Bible church, Bible-believing church, preaching church, and you can make a huge impact. You, these churches need you too. Don't just go somewhere where there's great preaching and, and great worship and just sit and soak. Go, go somewhere where you can use your gifts. And maybe it could be that church, but go, make sure you use your gifts and, and, and serve, get involved. I know pastors all around here, they say to me all the time, we are the Karen students. We used to have Karen students in our churches helping with children and doing youth group and leading the worship and teaching classes and, and spending just at the church. Where'd they all go? Where are you? You know, these, these, these guys, and I say, I'm going to say something. I'm coming on September 1st. I'm going to say something. They, they want you. They need you. And, and you need them. It's so important. I remember when Matt came, and well, how many years ago was that? But he was at our church for nine years, and he would bring Karen students. And what an impact they made. Huge. Life-changing. They transformed our church. Our youth group, it was amazing. Matt and the, the team of students, churches all over need you. And you need it. You need the church. It's vital be, to be connected to the body of Christ, to have a spiritual purpose, to get biblically grounded. Very, very important. It breaks my heart to see so many Christian young people letting the world mold their minds instead of the word of God. I see it happening right here at Karen. Like I said, I know a lot of students. I talk to a lot. I hear a lot. I see so many uh, I'll just, there's many ways. I'm just going to connect a couple of dots to the ways I see it. One way I see it is, is I, I've been shocked by the sexual sin. Not that you're struggling. We all struggle. You know, we struggle till the day we die. Not that you're struggling, but I don't, there's a lot of people that don't struggle. I'm talking about not struggling. The worldview that, that so many, even students here, have a, a worldview that it, it's it, total acceptance of sexual sin, affirmation even. 
They think it's no big deal, premarital sex, what's the big deal? Pornography, well, that's just, you know, no, not hurting anybody. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the, the pornography, the self-sex, the, the homosexual behavior, it, it's just... It's just unbelievable. Listen to what God's word says. And I use this verse. This is our our key verse for our church. If you know New Hope, we live in, they call it the Sodom and Gomorrah of Pennsylvania. That's what they call it. And uh, it's what it's known for. And, And I preach this all the time. This is our verse. And we've seen so many people transformed by this passage. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, where he says, open it here. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor uh, slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Our church, I'm pretty sure we all have it memorized by now at our church. We use it so much, but that's our key verse. And I always say, that's what we were. And we could all, and I said at our church, we could add to that list. We could triple that list at our church. You know, you should hear our testimony times, right, man? Shocking. You'd be shocked if you hear what people shared. It'd, it'd be, people come and they say, <gasps> I can't A, believe they lived that life or, or are coming out of that life, and I can't believe that they shared it in church. It's no big deal at our church. People share openly and transparently. And, 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 no, and I say this is, what, this is what you were, no matter what you've done. And I preach this constantly. It's what you can, it can be what you were, washed, sanctified, justified, just as if I never sinned. It can be what we were. But the key is to, in verse 19, go down 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the key is to flee. Flee from sexual immorality. All other man, sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Flee from all sexual immorality. I'm, I'm telling you, it will haunt you. What you do today will haunt you 30, 40 years from now. Believe me. Believe me. I wish someone had told me. Flee from it. Repent and renew Get rid of whatever you need to get rid of. What, get accountability. Form accountability groups. Guys get together. Girls get together. Form accountability groups and, and really hold each other accountable. Uh, you know, uh, get your healing. This is a, I know there's a lot of good counseling here. There's a counseling center. I send people to it. Get your healing. A lot of times we're vulnerable to some kind of a sexual sin. We're vulnerable because of what has happened to us in the past, and it's important to go get the healing. It's not enough just to white, whoops, white knuckle it and say, I'm not going to do it, or, you know, but, it, but to get the healing is so important to really get that victory, very, very important. An, another heart, heartbreaking worldview connection, and I'm just hitting a couple, a couple of lightning rods here. Another one is abortion. I've been really surprised. I was talking to a Karen graduate not too long ago, and I was really surprised when she said, well, abortion's no big deal. I don't know why you preach about it all the time, why you talk about it. It's really no big deal. I don't know, you know, and I was shocked, but I'm hearing this more and more from this generation, even Christians. So many in your generation will say, I don't care about abortion. I only care about social justice. 
I'm all about social justice, not abortion. And I say to them, any justice that doesn't give priority to protecting the most helpless humans on earth is not justice. It's a lie. It's a lie. We as Christians must pursue something far deeper than social justice. We pursue biblical justice. Biblical justice. Amos 5.24 says, But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Biblical justice, there is, it's connected. Justice and righteousness are inseparable for a Christian. Inseparable. Biblical justice helps the poor and the needy, the widow and the orphan, without sacrificing babies. And, it's, and I've just been shocked that the Christian young people who just have been brainwashed and don't care that they don't include that in their justicism. The Bible, you cannot separate righteousness and justice. Otherwise, it's a lie. It's a delusion. Very, very important. I know of a young pe couple, I'm going to close with this story. I know of a young couple that got pregnant. They were high risk, high risk, really high. They were both drug addicts. They didn't know if the baby would or could survive, how it would be affected. And their friends, their culture, their friends all said, you're crazy, you shouldn't have that baby. You're crazy to have this baby. But we kept encouraging this young couple. We said we would do anything and everything to help you and that baby from the time it's born to the time off to school, whatever, whatever it takes. We'll do anything. Our church does that with, all, with any time with us. But we said we, we will do anything to help you. And although they were in a very bad place, my son still knew it was a baby. As messed up as he was, he still knew that it was a gift from God. He could still remember that much of a biblical worldview. From what he got in youth group, from what he got from us, what he got in church, he still remembered that. And they decided to go through with having this baby, and this baby was born addicted. We brought it right home from the hospital. They took it away from the parents. We brought it right home from the hospital. We went through withdrawal with this baby. Go ahead, put the picture up. We went through the withdrawal, carrying that baby for the first month, shaking and convulsions and many struggles. Many struggles, many battles, oh, many battles. But she was a gift. She was a gift. And it, we, because of this baby, we formed a bond with this baby for the, for the last eight months of my son's life before he died. We had an incredible bond through this baby. We finally had a connection through this baby. And he really wanted us to raise this baby. That's all. That last thing he said to us, because we knew he was slipping away. The last thing he said was, you know, you are raising this baby. And today, although we no longer have my son or his wife with us any longer, they're both dead, we have a piece of them. And we have a beautiful blessing. You want to just show the last picture? We have a beautiful blessing. In a few weeks, she's going to be three years old. And she's a blessing. Our worldview... 
Our worldview makes all the difference in the world. Do you have a biblical worldview? Karen has over a thousand students. Imagine if we were all transformers. A thousand students were transformers with a biblical worldview. We think of the people we could save and the people we could change and the lives that we could impact. You could rock your churches. You could start a revival. This school, this year, could see a revival. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us today? Maybe we realize we've been conformed. We just touched on a few little things. But the Holy Spirit's convicting us to be transformers, to be transformed, to get connected, to find our purpose in life. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to you? How have you conformed? Would your prayer be today, God, I want to be transformed. My mind and my life transformed, whatever it takes. Whoever I have to tell, i got to find some people I can trust and open up to. Whatever it takes, whatever I have to cut out of my life, whatever I have to change, whatever mindset, attitude, belief, I want my life to, to, to make to be a transforming life, to have the power of Jesus Christ. And no matter if you're here today and as we're praying about this, no matter what you walked in with today, you may have carried in a lot of shame, a lot of garbage, a lot of sin. But it says that is what some of you were. You can walk out of that door knowing that's what I was. I can leave it at the cross right now. I can be washed, sanctified, and justified right now. God wants to forgive me. God wants to cleanse me. God wants to give me a brand new life. He wants me to live in freedom. Maybe here today you're not even a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Today could be that day that you are washed, sanctified, and justified. While we're all praying about that, man, I just want to speak to someone here who knows in their heart they are not really a Christian yet. They've never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. You can do it right now. The simple prayer of faith. God, I want to be washed, sanctified, justified. I want that old life to be what I was. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I repent of the sin. I turn away from the old life. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I give my life to him.
If you have prayed that prayer of faith, taken that step of faith, then I want to encourage you to let somebody know today. Don't be embarrassed. Don't say, oh, I don't know. Just tell somebody today so that you can be encouraged and we can be excited for you. Father, I pray that there would be a revival here at Cairn. I pray that you would use these 1,000 students to rock this area and that it would spread to the entire country. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.